And welcome back to the Friday Habit. Hey, in this second part of a two-part series with David Burkus, uh, if you haven't listened to the first part, go back to last week and listen to that episode because that is jam-packed with gold. Uh, in this second part, we talk with David and we dive deeper into remote working, uh, remote team building, uh, and really leading from anywhere. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Friday Habit with Benjamin Manley and Mark Labriola II. The Friday Habit is for creators, entrepreneurs, and agency owners looking for actionable ideas on how to grow their business and be more profitable. We'll pull from our combined knowledge of over 20 years and interview thought leaders that will inspire you and give you the motivation you need to kick your business into high gear. Buckle up. It's Friday. I want to pivot the conversation a little bit to this whole remote working thing because Mm -hmm. This is something that was kind of forced onto a lot of people and a lot of business owners and business leaders. And I've, I've, the sense that I get from a lot of uh, CEOs and different people that I talk with is that um, they're, they're kind of caught in this mentality of this old way of doing thing. And, and if, if someone's not in their seat, they're not working. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then also trying to be hip and cool and, and with the times and trying to give people some autonomy and freedom. So, yeah. You know, how do you see that as far as leadership goes? How do you see that transition taking place with those upper management people letting go of some of those fears and worries and just trusting their people? Yeah, is is kicking and screaming a good way to describe how I see it going? (laughs) Um, No, I mean, you, you speak to a very real problem, which is that for a lot of managers and a lot of senior leaders and even a lot of business owners of any size, presence became equal to productivity in their mind, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, Ben is here at 8.30 a.m. and he stays till 5.15. Clearly, he's a productive worker, right? But like, if you've ever asked IT for a report about how much bandwidth <laughs> is spent on Facebook and YouTube, you know that you really can't equate presence and productivity, even mm-hmm. in a co-located office, right? But but it, okay, it's an okay proxy, right? And then, um, and I blame, if you want to know, I blame Tom Peters for this. He's a brilliant man and a really nice man. He's a friend of mine. But he coined this term management by walking around, which was Mm. not supposed to be the sort of Lumberg with the coffee cup just checking in on you. But that's what people did. Hey, I'm going to need that uh, TPS report. Right. Right. And and what what he meant by it was you get a better sense when you're with your people of what's going on in your business than you do when you're looking at reports. So get out and walk around. What it turned into was micromanaging, right? And mm-hmm. what most people would call micromanaging. And they so have that spreadsheet then the that's, great- that's a fantasy <laughs> thing. And when you click it, it switches back to your Excel file. You, know, you could be doing yeah. your fantasy league. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, boss is coming. Let me quickly change. Yeah, and I mean, and to be fair, those systems are just as easy to game in a remote environment. I know, I know a guy who who recorded fifteen minutes of him nodding through his webcam, and then he uses that as a virtual <laughs> background for Zoom meetings. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so present for a lot of people, presence equal productivity. Then, then the great work from home experiment began, right? I, I mean, for most of us, it was somewhere around March fifteenth. And most of us thought, and most of us believed people when they said 15 days to slow the spread. I mean, I actually remember, and this is how naive I am, so I'm guilty here. I remember telling my wife, oh, you know, this is just like everybody's freaked out. It's a bunch of panic, right? It's mass hysteria. It'll be over in about 10 days. And she is a, is a doctor, was like... You know, we don't know how to kill viruses. <laughs> you know, like you know that, right? There's no bacteria we have antibiotics for. We don't know how to kill viruses. And... um. 
And that, that was the first hint of how colossally wrong I, I was. And I think how a lot of leaders were, because a lot of leaders went into this as, yeah, yeah, let's just, let's just figure out what we need to do for the next week or so to keep people, right? I mean, if you still had a job, you were one of the lucky ones, right? So it was just sort of a temporary stopgap thing. And then it wasn't until probably summer or even like the beginnings of fall 2020 that people were like, whoa, we're still here. We're still doing this thing. I mean, candidly in the United States, I feel like it depends on what state you live in, but Mm-hmm. Even so, mo- not everybody who had an option to come back was wanting to come back. And that was sort of a big wake up. Um, unfortunately, when we did all of this, a lot of leaders ch- changed presence in their mind to responsiveness, right? And that became the new like proxy we were using for productivity. In- instead of, you know, uh, instead of bold ideas like focusing on outcomes and whether or not people are actually delivering you the thing they said they would have done by the end of the week, right? Instead of yeah. that focus, we were just like, oh, well, Mark replies to emails quickly when I send them. Therefore, Mark is productive. Well, like, no, mm. Mark's probably not doing any deep work and that's why he can <laughs> reply to the email. But a lot of us have done that, right? So mm-hmm. I-, I think we're in for a, a really interesting transition because I think a lot of those managers and a lot of those leaders are counting on the idea that we're coming back and that I could just use those tools. Now, good leaders, smart leaders, but those are usually the same thing, didn't do that and realized pretty early on that we're going to have to adjust. And I'm not, you know, my, my working parent people are not coming back to the office all the time. Maybe their school isn't open when their office is open, or maybe, maybe they're also taking care of an elderly um, you know, elderly parent. And so they're even more freaked out about the idea of exposing themselves. So they're not coming back, right? Everybody's in these different stages of life. And so we're not all coming back to the office at the same time. We might as well use this experiment to focus actually on the basics of running a good business. Like how are we going to, what I often call work out loud? How are we going to update everybody? And here's what I'm working on today. Here's where I need help. Here's what I worked on yesterday and what I accomplished. What systems are we going to use to track progress and track outcomes as opposed to just tracking activity, which is what leads to conversations like, you know, what monitoring software should I use? Well, I can answer that really quickly. None of them. You should build a system (laughs) that holds people accountable for objectives. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask you, like, what are some, what are some of the things that you're recommending to people, some practical tips or approaches people should be taking as leaders? Like what are the, what are the systems they need to put in place? And you know, what, what things have you seen that you would recommend? Yeah. So we, we can talk about systems. We should also talk about culture and how you continue to build bonds on your team and that sort of stuff. Yep. Uh, in, in terms of systems, I, I would love to say like everyone just use Trello, uh, but it really, it really varies by what, and, and don't put Trello in the show notes, by the way, I don't know that they deserve it, but like <laughs> it really varies by what your team needs. We're Slack users. So, <laughs> well, so in, in, I have a love hate relationship with Slack too, right? Because Slack is like, um, Slack is like holding a business meeting at a Chuck E. Cheese, right? It's like, it's like a, it's like a meeting where everyone speaks in sentence fragments and people drop in and out all of the time. It's great for little conversations, poor for project management, right? Mm. But really what you need, right? Is the first thing you need to do is shorten your timelines, shorten your, whatever you were using before is your regular, like, oh, projects are usually, uh, 90 days long, right? Or a lot of bigger companies just do an annual performance review. And that's the only time we talk about whether or not you're hitting your objectives, which is, mm-hmm. I've been saying that's insane for a long time. Whatever habits, right? Bad <laughs> habits that keep going on, not Friday habits that are good. Um, so shorten those timelines to a week, two weeks, whatever it is, make sure everybody is clear when you start that like two week sprint, what everybody else is working on. 
and then figure out what system you want to use to keep everybody updated on. I actually borrow from the world of Scrum here, um, which is that, that those daily stand-up questions of what did you work on yesterday? What are you working on today? And what's blocking your progress? In other words, what help do I need? You need a system. It doesn't have to be every day, but you need a system where people are regularly sharing that. Here's what I'm currently working on. Here's what I've gotten done. Right. And then also here's how I'm going to ask for, for help. If, if you use Slack, actually, there are tools that are like plugins to Slack that can literally feed people those questions every day and get the answers. But that's how you that's how you get a team that's actually working out loud instead of managing 12 individual relationships with different people. And, and that's how you keep everybody accountable, because there's almost a peer pressure that goes to work there. We're like, oh, Ben, you said you were working on this today. I, I need it to do my thing on Thursday. Where is it? Right. And then mm. we find out that Ben's been doing his fantasy football leagues the whole day. Right. You know, me. so <clears throat> you need in terms of systems, you need that. I'd, I'd love to make a specific product recommendation here, et cetera. But I've seen people use super elaborate, expensive systems. And I've seen people use a Google spreadsheet, like a shared spreadsheet document. So whatever system works for your team is the right one. Yeah. So as far as, you know, holding each other accountable on a team, you're saying what would you say as far as like the frequency of, of that? Like, is it like a daily virtual standup, like Zoom call, or is it just a quick message in Slack with those scrum, um, you know, questions of, you know, what did you do yesterday? What did you do today? You know, what's yeah. getting your way kind of thing? Like, is so, that like a daily thing? Or because in some ways I'm like, all right, well, I don't want to, you know, start to feel micromanaging over email or over, you know, some tool like Slack to my, you know, employees. But in the same way, I, I want to um, help them be productive so that they can feel the best. Because I know, you know, we all, I think we've all experienced those times where you're working a job and you're maybe not doing what you're supposed to be doing. And in the moment it feels good. But then afterwards you kind of feel like crap, like, ah oh, man, like I wasn't productive today. I didn't get done what I was supposed to get done. And I find, I kind of feel bad about not doing my job, you know? Right. Well, so that's the beauty of asking people to commit to what am I working on for this period, right? In terms of time periods, it really varies by team. Like you said, some teams that's going to feel very micromanaging if they're working on long projects. You know, if you're thinking about creative agencies, there's there's not a lot of one day projects, right? They're, they usually take a little more hours than that. So you might want to stretch that deadline out. The, the one timeline I'll give you is that at a minimum, you should be having individual check ins with your people at least every two weeks at this point. Right. So that means a not an all hands call. You, the team can kind of decide what the right interval for that is. But at a minimum, about every two weeks, you should have a plan to touch base in a synchronous call with your people. How are we doing? You know, I, I noticed over the last weeks so you weren't hitting these deadlines. Is there something I can help with? Um, or, or even just, you know, let me know what's going on in the rest of your world. Right. And, and in a crisis situation like we're in right now where everything's changing every day, you might even want to shorten that deadline. But I would say at a, at a minimum that some people on your team, you're going to want to check in much more often. Right. Than two weeks. Some people two weeks almost feels like micromanaging and you'll get a, a, a sense of that. But I would start with that. Every two weeks I've got the plan for that. Then before I settle on an interval of time with my team, I would actually start by calling a meeting for what I to design what I call a team working agreement, which is the other great system to have in place. And this is just let's answer all of those unanswered questions about how we're going to work together. What norms do we expect of each other? So that's everything from what's a reasonable amount of time to wait for an email response, right? On some teams, it's 24 mm -hmm. hours. For some bosses, it's two hours. And that's not necessarily a good thing, right? Yeah. So what is that? What have we decided as a team? 
what information needs to be shared in Slack and what information needs to be captured in a project management software or an email that's less, I mean, I know Slack keeps a backup of everything, but let's be honest, it feels very ethereal, right? Yeah. So we need to have that conversation. Where, where are we talking about what subjects, right? How do we want to make requests for help? Right. So do we just put it out there in Slack and hope somebody responds if we do it on an individual level? Um, so and how do we want to give feedback to each other? All of these things are, are questions that most teams never answered when they were working together because you could you could just sort of tease them out. You would learn from people's nonverbals what the right way to ask for help was. Uh, you, you never really had to develop a system to keep everybody updated because you were sitting at the same table or at the very least you could walk down the hall and knock on their opening what, what do you call like the door in a cubicle i don't even know yeah. um, so you could They're do all that wall. So, so right exactly so so you develop that as a, as a shared document right you're having this video call meeting to talk about it and you're you're typing in like a google doc at the same time of these are our agreements we agree that 24 hours of 24 hours is a reasonable amount of time to wait for an email response or we agree that we will make requests for help in via email not in slack so that they can be seen by all and received by all right just all of those little things as you develop that what will come out of that is what is that right interval of time for us to check in etc so that would be the big thing i would start with and i looking back i probably should have answered that question first um but but that would be the big thing i would start with and then build whatever system works best for your team for that to keep everybody updated Right. Oh, man. These are some value bombs just being <laughs> dropped by David Burkus. Let's go. Well, I'm doing my I'm doing doing my best, doing my best. I feel like I feel like, again, what pe most people need is a survival guide because you're exactly right. This is this is almost like being bombed. This is nobody was expecting it. And then nobody was expecting it to last this long. And now. I mean, if you haven't come to the realization that you got to learn this skill because this is where we're headed, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Good yeah. luck with your team. Yeah, that's, yeah. I feel like that's one of the things I, I think you mentioned is like being able to pick up on subtle things like body language or cues and things like that and being able to tell when something's wrong with a teammate or something like that, the less you see them face to face. I think that would be my main like concern. I mean, in, in our team, we actually do something similar to what you said, like the, I think you said like three, two or something like that, where most of the time, most people on our team come in like three days a week and work from home like two days a week. There's no official policy of when you have to be here or not and just kind of leave it open. Mm -hmm. Like if you want to work from the office and that's better for you, awesome. If you want to work from home, that's cool too. Um, but that's something I think about. Like if I hire somebody you know, completely remote, never meet them in person, that kind of stuff. How well can I get to know them so that I can tell like if there's something wrong so that I can help them fix it? You know, maybe it's just more clear, uh, explicit conversation, like you're saying, where you have to just like talk through that stuff. But I mean, do you have any recommendations on that if you're going to totally like hire somebody remotely entirely? Yeah. So I'll give you two. I'll give you sort of a short term and a long term. A short term, you know, one of the things I think is interesting, if you haven't noticed it by now, is that even though we can see that sort of Brady Bunch image of the whole team, right, on a Zoom call, that's not all of the nonverbals we were capturing when we were in person, right? right. Like just, just mm -hmm. having video call is not solving it. And in fact, when it comes to certain things, certain conversations and checking in on certain people, there's a good amount of research that suggests we're actually better at empathetic listening when we're doing it audio only. I think it has less to do with the medium and more to do with what a lot of us are used to, right? This video calling thing is still new from us. There's actually some research that says it sort of triggers a fight or flight response in us. Like the same fear of public speaking is fear of seeing a grid of faces staring at you. Yeah. Um, so some calls, it may actually be better to do audio only because you'll be better at perceiving 
the, the emotions there. I know it's counterintuitive, but there's mm. a good amount of research suggesting that. So I would try, I would try that in, if we're talking about emotions, et cetera. Mm. If we're talking about building bonds with people that maybe we haven't met in person or maybe we only meet once a quarter or et cetera, I would say that the, the nicest thing that the office provides is organic collisions, right? Sometimes they're called serendipitous collisions, et cetera. But that those little those little pockets of unstructured time. We're all walking to the meeting, but we're all talking about our lives. Or we arrived at the meeting early, and so we can talk about who was watching, you know, the masked singer or whatever the other day, right? Um, those don't happen in a, in a virtual world, right? We jump on the call, we do our thing, we end the call, right? And yeah. then like, you're, if we're sending an email trying to take an emotional regulation, it just looks weird. Yeah. So I, whatever we can do to build some of those times back is hmm. hugely effective. A lot of teams have a great, great uh, experience with just adding sort of buffer time into their weekly or semi-weekly all hands meeting. So, okay, the meeting starts at 10, but I know as a leader, I'm actually going to jump on Zoom at 945. Mm-hmm. And anyone who wants to come early, we can hang out and chit chat. And the meeting's scheduled to end at 11, but I'm not going to jump off at 11. I'm going to stick around and we can talk about whatever. The same way we would have a conversation on the way to and the way out of an actual meeting in the meeting room. The, the yeah. other thing that a lot of companies have a great experience with is and I've seen this called a variety of things. My favorite term for it is fika, which is a Swedish word for to have coffee, right? And so there's a lot of people that have recreated that sort of virtual coffee thing. Once a week, you get paired with somebody else on the team. Every Wednesday afternoon, everybody just takes a break and meets up for a one-on-one chat with people. And you randomize it so every day, or excuse me, every week, it's a a little bit different person. But the goal is to actually have a non-work conversation. Tell me what's going on in your life. Tell me about your habits, your hobbies. Let me discover those, uh, those what we call uncommon commonalities that actually build bonds, the things we have in common uh, that, that the rest of the team doesn't. Those little steps go a a huge way. And then when it is safe to do this and when it is easy to do this and we've, I don't know, everybody's gotten vaccines or travel requirements in between countries and that sort of stuff are actually finally figured out, don't neglect meetups, right? So meetups in person still matter. Both of these things are sort of stop gaps to that. We know from a, a lot of research that distributed teams still work better if they have sometimes throughout the year to learn and work alongside each other to learn all those little nonverbals so then they better understand what they're watching when they're on the Zoom call and that sort of thing. So when you can plan those uh, those meetups, if that means you got one fully remote colleague and everybody else is based in your office on a 322 or whatever, means you may need to fly her in for a time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or even better, I think this for small agencies and that sort of stuff, I think this works the best. Whatever money you're saving on office space, dedicate that to a specific conference every year and bring everyone to that conference that way they get the sort of professional development, the education side, and then you're spending lunches and dinners and hangout time bonding as a team as well. Man, that's great. Yeah, and it's funny, that's a really, really good point about the organic collisions. I wasn't able to identify what that was, but I think that's something that makes a ton of sense. And it's funny, like this has actually happened to us a few times remotely. And we have like this conference room link that we use and like we just use it for the whole team. And so somebody will be on it and then two of the other of us will be on Slack. I'm like, hey, let's jump in the conference room. And it was like we virtually bump into the other people. They're already in there like, oh, yeah. sorry, I didn't know you were in here. It's kind of like having that office space feel. And so those experiences actually bring a little bit of levity and fun to the office. And we might ch- chat for a minute. Oh, what are you guys working on? You know, it's kind of like more of that organic kind of bumping into each other. Um, yeah, that's exactly right. I, I, I have a lot of teams that 
have a great experience making those almost deliberate. So we would mm-hmm. call that a work sprint, right? Okay. Where I'm going to arrange, hey, Ben, ben Mark, and David, well, let's all meet up on Thursday at 11. Yep. And we're doing our individual work, but we're just in the call so we can see each other. And when we want to take a quick break, it's like recreating when you used to do those group study things in college. Yeah. We all go to the library together and hang out, but do your individual work. That can be, a, again, a great way to just create those organic collisions that have to be deliberate now. They really can't be organic, yeah. um, but we can deliberately create the unstructured time that lets them happen. That's super cool. Yeah, it almost makes me, my my friend uh, the other day invited me to a remote birthday party for him. And so we played code names over uh, Zoom. <laughs> I don't know if you ever played hmm. code names, but that was super fun. I was like, I wonder if that could be also something, you know, with, with teams every once in a while, like those coffee meetup things you mentioned. I think that's a great idea. Or maybe if if there's a time available to do a quick five minute game to kind of break things up before meeting or something like that, get everybody talking. But um, I love those ideas. Yeah. And I would be careful here. You don't want to end up in like the world of fundatory. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, your team and you know uh, what can work for them. I think yep. you know, there's, there's a lot of companies that said like, okay, well, as a team building activity, we're going to yeah. do a, a virtual escape room. And like, no, <laughs> right. I'm sorry. I don't want to do there's that. A, there's, at this point, there's a lot <laughs> yeah. of people that are hung over from their Zoom happy hours. Yeah. So, you know, I, I yeah. think it's easier to build that little bit of buffer time, like you were talking about into the meeting. Than like, but let's plan a deliberate experience for everybody. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Man, I feel like I, all these wheels are turning. You know, one thing I started doing right away, uh, you know, when my, my team went remote was I just started trying to, you know, one of our, our part of our ethos at Brand Viva is just surprising and delighting. And, um, you know, so I would maybe send uh, somebody a box of donuts, you know, via DoorDash. I would just deliver donuts to their house or, you know, some cookies or just some random breakfast burrito because we weren't meeting the office and normally I'd bring mm-hmm. food or something like that. So I would just have something delivered to their homes. And, um, you know, I think that that just always made them feel like, oh, like somebody's thinking about me and I'm not just out here on this island by myself, you know, doing my work. And so um, I, I felt like that was something that, that, that I did that was pretty effective, you know, this past year. So, yeah, no, I love that. I love that. I, I, uh, I was working with a team that does a regular first, um, first Tuesday of every month, they call it taco Tuesday. Right. And the idea is it's mm-hmm. not a delivery thing. You go get takeout from whatever, like taco truck or Mexican restaurant, or hopefully not taco bell. Right. But it's the <laughs> idea of like, we're going to, we're going to pick the cuisine. We're all going to at least share the experience of being in this cuisine and then eat together. Um, as a thing too. So I love, I love the surprise thing. I, I mean, you could pair them together and be like, Hey, plan on this, but actually you coordinate DoorDash to bring everybody food. Um, so that everybody's having almost the same meal, et cetera. That logistically that might get a little crazy, but, um, there's, <laughs> there's a lot of things you can do again. The goal is make people feel like they're not alone, but also make people feel like we've, we're creating these spaces where we can just have these um, regular conversations. Not, not every conversation has to be about work because it wasn't at the office either. And that's right. actually like we're, we've only, we were only scratching the surface of how important those organic collisions were in terms of from a psychological standpoint. And then like the great work from home experiment began and we had to stop studying it. But we know they are. And so recreating them as best we can is, is key. Yeah, man, I feel like we could just continue talking. I, I, I'm like, I think I want to like, maybe we could try to have you back on some other time. We could talk about another topic, uh, you know, and, 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 uh, just engage with you some more. Um, Ben, what do you have for takeaways for this episode for us? 
Um, I've got a long list. So, hey, David, I'm going to go through these quick, and you stop me if I'm misquoting you or misrepresenting you, okay? These are my takeaways all from my notes. All right. So, uh, actually, it's funny because we kind of went on a tangent that was super useful, the nonfiction book writing. So, I'm going to cover that part, too, before we go into the uh, remote teams. But how to write a nonfiction book. This is what I got. Build an audience or platform first, like creating a podcast, maybe you're writing for some other publications, stuff like that. Uh, then you write a proposal based on your idea and marketing plan. Uh, publishers may make you an offer if you're lucky or maybe multiples if you're super lucky or you might have to start over from scratch again. Um, and then you work with them on writing it and just expect that it's going to change a lot, including the title and all the content. Um, so yeah, that was super helpful. Um, some of my other takeaways were when you're talking about the um, leaders kind of adjusting to working from home or working remotely, that a lot of leaders start out with the assumption that presence equals productivity. And it kind of changed over time, you know, from remote to, to uh, equaling uh, responsiveness, equaling productivity. And people should be more focused on outcomes. Um, some of the things that you said we need to change as leaders are one, shortening your timelines. So checking on objectives sooner. Can you guys hear that train? Is that super loud? Oh, totally. <laughs> totally. All right. Woo! This is like this is like bonus content for whoever made it to the end of the podcast here, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, he said um, that people should be more focused on outcomes. Some of the things that you should change as a leader are shortening your timelines, which I found super interesting. He said maybe breaking up work into one or two week sprints, uh, possibly having a daily call or check in or some type of talking with your team, asking some Scrum related questions like. What did you work on yesterday? What did you work on today? And what's blocking your progress? I think that makes a ton of sense. Um, and that also, uh, to me, I like that because it kind of puts responsibility back on them and you're not as much being like, did you do this thing? Did you do that thing? But they're kind of reporting to you and so they have more ownership of it. To me, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and then also doing some type of check-in every, at least once every two weeks, one-on-one with everybody individually. And that might vary per team member how often you need to do it. Um, Creating a team working agreement was one of your other tips. So uh, basically figuring out what's a reasonable amount of time for email responses, what should be in Slack versus email versus project management, how do we want to give feedback to each other, uh, and then maybe if you type it all up in one document together, that also gives people ownership over creating that document. Um, then my favorite part here is the creating bonds with your team remotely. Some of your tips on that. Uh, try doing audio only calls, which is interesting to me, especially if certain individuals feel stressed by video calls, they might be able to be more themselves over audio, it sounds like. Um, and then uh, organic collisions happen in person and they don't remotely. So try to create that. Um, maybe do early, getting in early to meetings, doing one-on-one coffee appointments, that kind of stuff. Um, and then you said still do in-person meetings throughout the year. Um, and I love your tip of using that office space money on conferences or in-person meetups. That's brilliant because you got to spend that money anyways. Might as well set that aside and get people together. And then I think great closing thought for me was just making people feel like they're not alone and not everything should always be about work, but you need to talk about other stuff too. Yeah, it was good. You, yeah, you forgot one thing. Okay, go for uh, it. Pajama pants. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Pajama yeah. pants. I, I, I missed that right at the beginning. All right, hold on. <laughs> Updating my notes here. Yeah, no, Totally. You know, part of the Friday habit is taking what you learn and putting it into action. And so if you could give us one action item that we could take in and um, 
do this next week, what would that action item be? I would say start doing that team working agreement. That's going to be the single, everything else we talked about will build off of that. But if you haven't already established those norms as real norms, not just everybody feeling out each other's preferences, real norms are what make for that team working agreement and build everything else that we need. So that would be my biggest thing. Start right there. All right. Well, David, thank you so much for being on our show. Thank you uh, for the work that you're doing. Um, It's making a difference. It's inspiring people and uh, motivating them. Where can people connect with you? Where can they follow you and uh, get more inspiration? Yeah. So if you are, if you're listening to this, if you got all the way to the end, you're part of the end of the podcast club, you probably already know that the show notes for this episode are going to be the best place for that. The reviews there, the links to places like davidberkus.com are there, but like, you don't need to remember that. Just double tap on the podcast art. And then all of those links will be there to keep the conversation going. And I do hope you will, because this is a conversation that needs to keep going. This is a situation that we're going to be in for a long time. This is the future of work, working from anywhere. So you got to figure out how to lead from anywhere. Yeah, that's right. Well, hey, guys, you can also uh, go to the FridayHabit.com to find show notes for this episode. Uh, there you can also find links to our websites and ways to get in touch. And at the bottom of the page, you can download our guide to the Friday Habit System that will show you how to set aside one full day each week to dedicate working on your business instead of in your business. And if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review in the Apple Podcasts app. And if you have a question or a suggested topic you'd like us to cover, or maybe a suggested guest, don't forget to record us a quick voice memo and email it to hello at thefridayhabit.com. That's right. And until next time, live every day like it's Friday. <laughs>